You're about to listen to another Bonversation. If you like this episode, you can find more at johnlebon.com. Bonversations feature the most interesting and insightful people in the act realm and beyond. Every episode is made possible by people like you who value and support independent media. Now here's your host, JLB. It wasn't a tent, it was this magnificent thing. So what could possibly lead a lovely lady from Greece to interview some of the biggest names in Flat Earth and other crazy ideas? I don't know. We're going to find out right now for Conversations number 29, May 5th, 2023. I've got with me a very special guest, Maria. Welcome to the show. Hi, John. Hi, everybody. Now, they're all familiar with you, Maria, because we were on your show a couple of weeks ago. And so far, the metrics are fantastic. 500 views on your channel, almost 500 views on my Podbean. That's almost a 1,000 people, Maria, have listened to you and me talking about the shape of the earth, is history fake, and so much more. Almost a 1,000 people, Maria, can you believe that? Um, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Now, have you listened back to that call, per chance? Do you listen back to your recordings, or once I you don't. upload them, you just you don't? Ah, ah, no, 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 I do. I, I, I do listen to them bef- before I upload them, just to check that you know the recording is uh, smooth. And um, but other than that, I don't, I don't do anything. I don't really edit. I do. I'm, I'm a, I'm a very, you know, I'm an amateur, and I, I intend on staying an amateur. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. We've got a lot to talk about today. Now, you have uploaded dozens and dozens of these interviews with all kinds of people. And the first thing I want to know is, Mm. how did you get into this? What made you decide one day, I'm going to contact somebody and interview them and upload it? Can you remember what caused you to start doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I I know um, my first interview, it was with uh, David Weiss. And Flat Earth was, um, uh, back then, it was a a recent revelation to to me. I was, you know, all over different kinds of conspiracies and watching you know several issues but um flat earth you know it was a it was a nonsense or crazy or okay that's too far (laughs) and uh, at some point i don't know i i don't know why i started watching the first video about flat earth i have no idea why i didn't discard it but i decided "Eh, let me watch that and then I watched several um, videos, and then I got really intrigued and started doing, you know, my own research, meaning that I was um, deliberately uh, looking for um, specific information, you know, uh, answering specific questions that I, you know, I would come up with. And then I said, you know, I, I, I really need to, t- to talk to somebody and ask, you know, questions that I cannot find answers on uh, YouTube or, you know, on uh, the cyberspace uh, generally. I said, you know, I have nothing to lose. I'll just contact this guy who seems to, you know, appear on every single platform and uh, he, he's constantly out there. I have nothing to lose. I'll just contact him and ask him, you know, for, um, for an interview to ask him specific questions that I had unanswered. And he replied and he said yes. <laughs> and I didn't have a channel back then. I mean, I didn't have an audience. I didn't have any anything. I just interviewed him, I uploaded him, and then, you know, this started the whole saga. Well, according to your BitChute channel, it says that you uploaded your chat with David Weiss in July of last year. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, 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 late July, yeah. 
So what were you doing in June of last year? Before you decided to start interviewing these people, what were you doing prior to that? Like what I'm trying to establish here, what caused this change? Because most people, even people who are into, into these topics, most people will never decide, I'm going to start interviewing people, doing podcasts. It's, it's a big step. It's so, so what made you take this step? That's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to, to tell you. I didn't decide to have a channel and do interviews. It was not, never a decision. It just, I don't know, it just happened. David Weiss uh, uh, said yes. David Weiss said yes. Maybe somebody else uh, will also say yes. And, I, you know, I can answer, uh, I can get answers for more questions. And that's it. That's, that's how it went. That's how it keeps going. I, I don't consider myself a, a podcaster. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a thing for me. It just happens, you know. And I would do the same thing even if I didn't have a, now a, a channel. I, I, don't, I don't even say that I have a podcast. I don't, I don't think that's a podcast that I, that I have. And we could have this conversation now and you wouldn't upload it and I wouldn't upload it. And, uh, you know, that would be it. That would be a discussion. I just upload it. That's it. It could end tomorrow. I mean, you know, when people stop um, um, replying to my emails, uh, it will it will stop, and, uh, and that's it. Well, I can see that somebody who did reply to your emails is Steve Falconer from Space Busters. Yeah. So that was, was your second. second. Yes. Yes. So I can see a bit of a pattern emerging here. First, David Weiss, who's a flat earther. Then Steve Falconer, who is a space buster. So it seems like your first main interest was to do with, let's say, alternative cosmology, the shape of the Earth. That uh, seems to have been your initial interest. Steve, uh, um, Flat Earth was my initial interest. Steve, I contacted the conversation and um, the status of, uh, you know, the status quo of uh, 2022, you know, after COVID and, and everything. We did touch on Flat Earth, but I mean, something like, I don't know, uh, three, four minutes, uh, it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a topic. On, on that conversation, we're discussing other things. I didn't. I didn't contact Steve for a flat Earth. I contact him because he has. Uh, I don't know whether you watch them. He has documentaries out there about the no virus and the terrain theory, and he's superb. His uh, rich research. That's why I contact them. Um, yeah. And then in August, you spoke with a fellow called Germ Warfare. And it looks as though yeah. you got into this idea that viruses might not be what we've been led to believe. Some people even think viruses might be a complete hoax. It looks like those were the kinds of topics you started moving into after Flat Earth. Yeah, because I, I, I was uh, exposed to the no virus theory very early um, in, with the COVID uh, situation back in uh, early 2020. And because I do have the background to understand biology and um, type of uh, research, it was very easy for me to follow the research on no virus um, on the no virus, you know, side. I'm 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 sold. I was sold uh, very very quickly. And whoever goes into the research and spends a day on that research will be sold that there are no viruses. And if there are, nobody has ever found them. There are bacteria. We have found bacteria. We have studied bacteria. We haven't found viruses. And I, I belong to that, um, you know, um, what's the word? That side of the thought. story. Yeah, yeah, school of thought, yeah. 
I'm with you 100%. Most of, I would guess that most of the listeners here at JohnLeBond.com and Bonversations.com, I would guess that most of them either don't believe in viruses or at least are open-minded to the idea that these viruses don't exist. And here's what I say, Maria. These invisible body-possessing demons that we've been led to think cause illness, no one can see them. They're, They're impossible to see with a microscope. You have to use an electron microscope. Yeah. But how many people have actually used an electron microscope? I never have. Have you? I Who haven't. All these people who've used these electron microscopes. I haven't. But even if we, if, even if we say that um, electron microscopes work the way they tell us uh, they work, are you familiar to um, you know put it uh, under the electron microscope? They completely destroy the sample. They freeze it, then they, they they chop, they blend it, they chop it up, they, they, they freeze it, they stain it with um, heavy metals. They completely destroy the sample and they put it under the electron microscope, you know, however that works, uh, beams or light or whatever, you know, very high frequency uh, light. How are we expect, why do we expect to believe that what we're actually seeing is what happens in nature? Nature things have not been blended, have not been um, frozen to minus, I don't know how, how many degrees minus uh, zero. They have not been stained with um, heavy metal, um, you know, uh, stains. They're not bombarded with um, radiation or whatever that is. And then we, take, we, we see a still image. And what's that? That's, that's, the, that's the proof of a virus, which is not a virus. It's a cell uh, dying. That's that, that's it. I mean, it's completely bogus. Completely bogus. So, uh, around what time do you know when you stopped believing in viruses? When did I start believing? No, when did you stop believing? When did you decide? You know what? I don't believe in these things anymore. Early twenty twenty, when I was exposed to the research on, on how how virologists tell us they f- find viruses. I didn't know how they, what was, you know, the, the process, what's the procedure. I took it as a given, you know. But when you go into it and you see how they do it, then you know. It's bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> so I want to talk with you later in the call about, now that you know all of this stuff, how do the people around you, do you speak to them about these topics? Do your friends, family, coworkers, do they know that you don't believe in this stuff? I want to talk about that later in the call. Mm-hmm. But just quickly, when you discovered this stuff, did you tell your the people in your life or did you just keep this to yourself? I told the people, listen, then to some other people who I felt were not really ready, but they had the potential. I started sort of preparing them so I could explain a bit later and know they they might understand and then there are other people that i haven't i still haven't said anything i want to come back and talk about that so next on our list of interviews that you did you spoke with a guy called daniel reuters about real health and veganism and the nature of reality and meditation yeah so would you i mean i don't want to get too personal but would you describe yourself as a vegan do you eat meat what are your thoughts on this i eat meat i am not a vegan Oh, good. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to all the vegans out there, but yeah. I do eat meat. But I did go meat-free for about a year, a few years ago, maybe maybe six years ago now. How did you feel? So it was a long time ago. Well, I felt much better. I lost weight. 
Because I used to think when I was younger, I used to think, oh, you have to eat meat to put on muscle. If you don't eat meat, your body will lose muscle, all this stuff. And believe it or not, it was a flat earther who got me to question that. It was a guy called Eric Dubay. Yeah. You know the um the Wing Chun guy in Thailand. I know him. I know him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know him personally. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of him. Yeah. You're familiar with him, yeah. Well, back in 2015, he was one of the biggest names in Flat Earth. And he had, obviously he had Flat mm. Earth, but he also had other topics he spoke about, like the Nazis and Hitler. And one topic he spoke about yep. was veganism and how you don't need meat. And it took me some time, but eventually I was like, okay, I will try this. I'll try to not eat meat. And actually I felt better and I didn't lose muscle. In fact, I was still able to put muscle on, which amazed me. But after maybe a year or so... I just uh, decided, you know what, I'm just going to try some meat. I'm going to have a burger. And I ate the burger, and I felt amazing. It was like I was um, recharging my body in, in the first bite. And I, I don't mean the taste of the food. I mean it was like my body could feel like there was some kind of uh, nutrients or something in there that I was lacking. And I just felt like after that one burger, I felt like I could walk through a concrete wall. That's how amazing I felt. And so I thought – there must be some explanation for this. There must be something in this food that all of the vegetables and fruit and nuts that I'm eating is not, um, is not replacing. So after that, I went back to meat, which I'm not very proud of. I do eat too much meat, I think. I think I haven't found the right balance. But I think just for me, no meat is also not the right balance. What do you think about that? I research on the topic uh, or, you know, I haven't really explored it. So I, I don't really have a, a very good informed uh, opinion about it, but I, 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 would, I would agree with you. I think we, we need to eat uh, different stuff in uh, moderation, apart from poisons, of course. It's, you know, we don't have to eat poisons in moderation. <laughs> but, um, you know... Eat poisons, but when we drink them, it can make us feel very good. Every now and then I like to drink some poison and I feel happy. It helps me to talk with other people, especially alcohol. normal people who you are mean, very. Uh, of course, alcohol. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. I'm not big on alcohol, um, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, they they were drinking wine, um, humanity. So um, yeah, I think there's there's something there, something uh, in in alcohol. There's a use for it. I mean, Let's have rakia increased. Do you have like your own version of rakia? Raki, raki. Yes, we do. Raki and Tsipuro. Do you ever indulge in a little bit of Raki? By the way, for the listeners, here in Bulgaria, they've got this thing called Rakia. Mm. And you could liken it to rocket fuel or uh, <laughs> some kind of high-strength industrial it's pure alcohol. cleaning agent. It's pure alcohol, yeah. Yeah. And they drink this stuff straight. Yeah. It's uh, crazy stuff. And they're very proud of it too here. Like a lot of people, old, older people, they will make their own Rakia. So they'll grow yes, their own grapes here. and then they'll make it. Like a, a guy who I know here, he gave me a bottle, like a water bottle, but there was no water in this bottle. He was like, hey, my, um, I think he said his grandfather or his uncle, somebody made it, mm-hmm. so he gave it to me as a gift. And uh, it was absolutely putrid. You wouldn't want to drink this stuff if you could avoid it. <laughs> I don't think it's good for you. I don't know. As I said, I'm not, I'm not big on alcohol. I don't like the taste of it. Just I that pleasant. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I don't like beer. I don't like wine. I don't like, you know... Uh, vodka or raki or you know this pure alcohol clear stuff i i just don't like it if if i am to drink something ouzo oh, is ouzo a greek drink it is. yeah yeah it's it greek. Is. let me have a look at it i'm gonna google this it is. it's with, ouzo um, alcohol is this greek it's with anise 
Uzo is chemically made. Uzo is chemically made. It says here on Google, according to Wikipedia, Uzo is a dry anise-flavoured aperitif that is widely consumed in Greece. Yep. It is made from rectified spirits that have undergone a process of distillation and flavouring. Yep. Its taste is similar to other anise liquors like pastas, sambuca, raki, and arak. Oh, there you go. And sambuca in Italy. Sambuca tastes, right, like, yeah, um, tastes like uzo. Yeah. Mm, interesting. But you're not into alcohol, which is fair enough. Mm. And uh, you do go on camera with your interviews, which I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. And you do like you are in good health, if I may say so. So whatever you're doing, it seems to be working, mm-hmm. but no alcohol. No alcohol. I smoke, though. It's, it's very common in Greece, isn't it? Here in, Bul- um, here in Bulgaria, everybody smokes. Um, everybody. Uh, my doesn't uh, smoke the way, you know, my generation smoked, which uh, is good, I think. Well, do they all vape? Because, you know, the younger people now in the Western countries, they're all, they're all vaping. Yeah, many people, you know, my generation and older generations have switched to vaping. But younger generations I, I see here in Greek, they don't smoke a uh, period, no, uh, nor, um, you know, tobacco, nor uh, neither um, vaping. They just don't go into it. They drink, they drink, but they don't, don't smoke. Yeah. Vaping, because, and to the listeners out there, I know some listeners, you're into vaping, and that's totally cool. I'm not here to judge anybody's vices or habits or interests. But this vaping thing, I wonder if it's quite as safe as they're trying to say. Because what they're saying, at least in Australia, is, ooh, vaping is only one one hundredth. Yeah. So 1% I don't, as I don't, toxic. I'm That's not what they buying say. This. And people believe it. I'm not buying this. <laughs> I don't think it's uh, safer. Absolutely not. It's chemical. Whatever. I'm not buying it. I think uh, they will, you know, 10 years from now, 15, 20 years from now, they'll come out and say, hey, you know, vaping. Because, you know, this and this and this, probably. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. And there's another element to this. Have you ever heard the theory that smoking tobacco is actually healthy for humans, especially for males? Have you ever heard the theory that smoking is actually not just not a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing? I haven't, but uh, I wouldn't consider um, tobacco what we're smoking now. The things, you know, either tobacco or cigarettes that we buy from, you know, the stores. That's definitely not healthy. Now, if you can cultivate, you know, your own tobacco, no rolling papers, you know, no chemicals, no nothing. If you can do that, probably probably that wouldn't be as harmful as, you know, cigarettes and tobacco that we're buying now. Because there would be no chemicals in, in, in there. It would be, you know, you smoking a, a plant. I think that's different. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, I heard about this study years and years ago. I heard about this. So I looked into it, and the study actually exists. Whether the study is real or not, I'm not sure. But the study does exist. And in the study, what they found is that uh, adult males who smoke have roughly 10% more testosterone in their bodies than males who don't smoke. And they were able to factor in or account for, well, what if guys who have more testosterone are more likely to smoke? No, when you factor that out, it turns out that smoking seems to correlate with about 10% more testosterone, which is not insignificant because males need testosterone. It's very important. A lot of men who go through depression or they go through um, lethargy or these problems, their testosterone is too low for whatever reason. Maybe they're not eating the right foods, not getting enough sunlight, whatever the cause is. If a man has low testosterone, this is very bad news for him. Yeah. So smoking seems to actually lead to, to more of something that's very important for men. Now, 
How come they don't tell us that in school? I never heard that in school, Maria. Did you? I no, I haven't um, heard that. But uh, John, I would um, I would tell you something else. I would tell you be very cautious with um, the um, uh, studies, uh, you know, that they're out there, because after the no viruses, my study into you know the the viruses and all these studies and experiments, I found out that um, their method their methodologies suck. So I. I would be very, very cautious with all sorts of uh, studies that are being published um, out there. Very, very cautious. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. Any of these studies could be fake. They could be. I'm not saying they're fake, percent. You know, I mean, with with the malice, with um, with an intent to fake. But uh, I think most of our um, scientists are lost their capacity to genuine um, thinking. You know, I, they have lost their thinking capacity. They're robots. They just follow protocols. They don't question anything. I mean, even obvious things they don't question. They just follow p- protocols. That, that's it. And every, you know, every area, every subject has um, its own protocols, so their own methodology. They just teach them in the, um, their schools and their universities. So they, you know, they come out to the university. They go work on it. This is the methodology we're following. They just blindly follow the methodology, which is completely, completely bogus, completely. And they, they, they don't question it. I don't think that they, I don't think they're, they're conscious of that. I don't think they're aware of what they're actually finding. Some, some are. Yeah, I'm with you totally. I think any of these studies, any single study, any range of studies could be fake or they could be misrepresenting something or they could be biased. I'm with you. What I want to know is... How come I was only told about the so-called science that says smoking is bad, but I wasn't told that maybe there's some science that says there are some benefits? I feel like I was only given one side of the story. And if the people who tell us, ooh, there's an invisible body possessing demon on the loose, you've got to stay home to save grandma. If those are the same people who are telling us that smoking is bad, I think that's enough to start to question. These are the same people. Why are they saying that? It's the same people. Also the same people who tell us that there's this magical place in the sky and if you shoot a rocket, uh, the rocket can get there and the rocket can stay there and there are humans flying around out there. It's the same people. It's the establishment. It's the authorities. And the whole anti-smoking thing, they started when I was in school. I was in school back in the 1990s in primary school in Australia. I was born in 87. So I went to primary school in the 90s. And they were very much anti-smoking. They had a real anti-smoking agenda. It was one of, one of the biggest messages they sent to us as children is smoking is bad, smoking is bad, blah, blah, blah. And I think to myself, why? Were they really doing this for my health? I'm not so sure they were. In fact, if I didn't know better, I'd suspect maybe they're trying to make smoking uh, unpopular for their own agenda, which might include making people less healthy and less social. Smoking is very social, as you know. I'm sure in Greece, same as Bulgaria. People go out, they smoke, they sit at tables, they chat for hours. It's a very social thing to do. So if you convince people not to smoke, you're also taking away a certain social uh, meeting point. Same at work, like workplaces, the smokers will go and they'll smoke together. It's a way to meet people, to talk to people. But if you're not smoking, you're not going to the smoking point, you're missing out on this interaction. I can't can't say that smoking is healthy and they're hiding this healthy. I mean, there are sorts of... um horrible chemicals in the 
cigarettes that were uh, smoking and tar and nicotine and you know all sort of it's not natural we're not we're not putting natural substances in in our body so no i i don't think it's healthy but uh definitely definitely the anti-smoking campaign was not for our health so definitely there's something else behind that I, i'm not sure what that is why they decided to start this campaign if it's not for health what is it for i don't know i don't have an answer well you can't say that smoking is healthy i understand but i can't say maria i'm here to tell everybody go out buy a pack of smokes today <laughs> do yourself a favor <laughs> this is the way to get healthy I think. <laughs> of course this is this is not medical advice of course i would never give medical advice but yeah, in Bulgaria, people smoke. You can still smoke indoors in a lot of places. It's crazy. Mm. I remember one time there was a bus. I was walking somewhere. I saw a bus drive past me, and the bus driver had the door open, and he was smoking on the yeah, bus. Yeah. This is in a city, it by the way. It used to happen in Greece also. Yeah. You'd never see this in Australia. If, if someone did that in Australia, somebody would call him. <laughs> Maybe the police would come and put him in here. <laughs> it's, really, it's a really crazy place, Australia. But here... Yeah, just smoking in the in the bus with the door open. Fun times. All right, so let's move on with some of these interviews that you've done. So then you spoke with a guy called Alex, the music guru, and he was telling you oh, all yes. about the corruption of music yeah. and other topics. Yeah. Some of these people who you interview, where do you hear about them? Like, you do you watch YouTube videos or do you have um, podcasts that you listen to? Where are you finding these people? Um, most of them, I would find them by accident online some of them i would find because someone told me about them and uh, uh, who has his own podcast and i was following him i i was uh, watching his uh, podcast every week uh, apart from him no i i can't tell you that i'm following uh, specific podcasts i would i would you know I, I would accidentally you know um come across um a video, and uh, if I found, uh, you know, if I found that um, interesting, I would try to reach that uh, person and ask him for an interview. I have no idea it's fun because, as I said, I'm not doing it, um, you know, in a professional way. It's, it, it just happens. I could go a few weeks without um, contacting someone and uh, ask for an interview, or I could, uh, in a week, I could uh, contact uh, four or five people. Depends. I don't know. When I have a question, I try to do some research. I try to find people who could um, answer maybe my questions or listen to their perspective on this specific uh, topic. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Well, let's move on to September of last year. You interviewed a man who I happen to have interviewed myself back in 2015, allegedly Dave, also known as D. Murphy 25. Yeah, you spoke with him in September. Yeah. Yeah, about the Nephilim, Flat Earth, Bloodlines, these kinds of things. I was very... I was going to say, you know, back in 2015, he was also promoting the idea that it is healthy to drink your own urine. Yeah, yeah. Did he try to convince you to drink your own urine? Did he try and say to you, this is a good idea? He did mention it on uh, our interview. It was a thing back back, uh, then. Uh, um, I had heard many doctors. uh, it, It suddenly gained popularity, drinking your own. I did... I, I did watch a few of um, these people uh, explaining why they think it's beneficial, but uh, no, I don't. I don't think it's um, it's something I would go into, or or I would uh, suggest it. I wouldn't suggest this one. Although I'm Maria, I'm a very open-minded guy. So if somebody says to me, John, I've tried this, 
I think it, it's helpful for me. I get these benefits. I'd be like, that's cool. If you've tried it and it's beneficial for you, that's cool. Me personally, it's not something that I would try. And it was very funny back in 20, 2015, 2016, some of the leading flat earthers were promoting this, uh, they call it urine therapy, right? Yeah. Urine therapy yeah. is what they call it. Yeah, you're but it's drinking yeah. your own piss. <laughs> it's drinking yeah. your own piss is what we're talking about. And it's kind of funny. Some of the leading flat earthers were clearly not okay with this idea, but some of them were. So for a while there, flat earth had an overlap with drinking your own piss. And I think that's very funny because it almost seems like a bit of a piss take, a bit of a joke, a bit of a trick on some of the followers. And yet people like allegedly Dave were trying to convince their followers to drink their own piss. So in, in one sentence, he would talk about how the earth is flat. We're being lied to about space. And then in the next sentence, he'd be saying, and by the way, drink your own piss. <laughs> Looking back, Maria, I find this a little bit comical and amusing. What do you think about this? Um. Yeah, I guess I I, I can see uh, the comical element in, in that. I don't know. It was, I think, you know, like, uh, ah, this year uh, we, you know, black is back, something like that. Ah, this year, you know, we're drinking urine. <laughs> that that was my uh, take on this. It was like a trend, but like like a fashion thing. I don't hear it um, uh, so much anymore. It's, it's as if it was a bubble. In the second part of the call, I want to talk about how some people feel that Flat Earth was a trend and maybe a bubble, and maybe some of the leading promoters are no longer promoting, either due to leaving the scene or leaving this worth altogether. We'll talk about that later on. But first, let's go to September 8 of last year, and you spoke with a man. Let's see if you know who I'm talking about here. Flat Earth Clues, Part 1, Empty Theater. Who does that remind you of? Yes, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Sargent yeah. from the Flat Earth Clues series. Most of my listeners know this, but for those of you who are relatively new here, back in 2015, the guy who put Flat Earth on the map, the guy who first went viral on YouTube with Flat Earth, was a guy called Mark Sargent, an American guy, I would say middle-aged, maybe in his 50s, very well-spoken, I think very articulate, very, very friendly, never yeah. says anything bad about anybody, no. always very um, jovial, or at the very least uh, neutral in his emotions, never negative that I've mm -hmm. ever seen him. And he mm -hmm. had this Flat Earth Clues series. Yeah. Yeah. And it was about uh, maybe 10 videos, I want to say, thereabouts. And each video had a different focus. And the first one was about movies. He was like, how come there's no movies about people on the moon? We have lots of movies of people in outer space, but no, not, not very many movies of people on the moon. And what he was putting forward was this idea that that's because if they made a fake movie, like a movie that's fake, you know, a movie's fake, it's, uh, you know, Hollywood or whatever. Everybody, yeah, everybody would know that uh, what they've seen is, uh, yeah, Hollywood, yeah. Yeah. So, you know what I told my lady friend at the time? I was very um, naive back then, Maria. These days, I wouldn't say any of this stuff to friends, family, and especially to lady friends. But back then I was young, I was naive, and I said to her, hey, check out this, uh, this theory that I've heard about. This guy is saying that um, there's no, there's no uh, movies about people on the moon, and I think he's onto something because I can't think of any. She said to me straight away, she was like, how about the movie Moon? And I was like, never heard of it. She's like, it's a movie that came out a few years ago, and it's about a guy who lives on the moon. So my lady friend at the time completely debunked the first flat earth clue within seconds. Mm -hmm. 
within seconds. And I, sh- you know what, if I could go back in time, I wish I could do things differently, Maria. But unfortunately, I started interviewing all of these flat earthers, including Mark. And I have to say, he was very pleasant to chat with. What say you? I really like him uh, because he's very pleasant. He's very kind. Uh, he's very likable. I had a good time, you know, with, uh, with him. I, I won't tell you that I agree with everything he believes. But um, that goes with almost uh, all of my um, interviews, uh, John Lee, with everybody. My, my husband uh, is joking uh, about that. Uh, he, he calls me Mrs. Uh, Pokerface because I can hear almost anything and I have no reaction. So people don't know whether I agree or disagree. What was his reaction when you first said to him, honey, I'm going to be talking to someone on the internet today. He's a flat earther and he believes we live on a flat earth. What was your husband's first reaction when you said, this is what I'm going to do with my spare time now? Speak to flat earthers from around the world. Um, he was excited. Uh, whatever I was watching, uh, he was also watching with me. So it's fair to say that me and my husband, we, we were holding hands uh, on this um, path of, um, you know, researching what's, uh, you know, what's out there and what's going on. So yeah, he's very, he's very supportive. Glad to hear that. You know, the flat earth thing back in 2015, 2016, it led to quite some marriage breakdowns and divorces. And there was one guy in particular, I won't say his name because he's not here and it's not very fair to him, but he had a YouTube channel and the flat earth seems to have led to him and his wife separating and and obviously there's many different factors in a relationship and you can't just blame one thing if it all falls apart. But in this guy's case, it does seem as though uh, the flat earth has genuinely caused a rift with him and his wife. He wanted to keep being a flat earther and talking about flat earth on YouTube. And eventually she just said, all right, then I'm out of here. Goodbye. And he was like, well, I don't need you anymore. I've got the flat earth now. I've got the mm-hmm. flat earth community. Because back then there was a community. There was a movement. And people thought, I've got the movement now and we're going to take, we're going to take this truth to the world. We're going to take down NASA. So if they lost friends or if they lost family or heaven forbid, even their wife or husband, not such a big deal because they've got new people now. It was a little bit like a cult, Maria, back in 2016, 17, just a little bit. This flat earth was like a cult. Have you noticed that yourself? Have you detected that some of these people are a little bit cult-like? Um, no, because I was not, um, part of it back then. I mean, it, um, when I was uh, exposed, exposed to the flat earth, I'm very, you know, I'm a newbie on this. I wouldn't even touch it, uh, before 2021. So no, I'm, I'm not aware of, uh, you know, the backstage, uh, what was going on. Um, some people, some, some people still, I find them very fanatical. I don't like fanatism uh, anyway, uh, in any topic, not just uh, flat earth. Even if you're right, uh, even if you're right, I, uh, I don't like this attitude. Speaking of cults, I want to move on to one more of your interviews I wanted to talk about in this first hour. You spoke with a guy called Dustin Nemos yeah. about QAnon yeah. and yeah. Trump. Yeah. What's your take on QAnon these days? How do you feel about this I QAnon thing? I think it's a psyop. I think it's a psyop. Did you ever believe in it? Did you ever believe that Q was giving drops of truth? Q, the truth dropper. When I first um, heard about uh, QAnon, uh, I was open, uh, open 
to see you know, shaking, but it didn't take long. It didn't take long to to see what's uh, you know what's happening. Now it's uh, just uh, curious about it. One you know one more topic to to discuss and explore, but it was uh, pretty obvious that um, uh, it was not worth it going uh, you know into it more. I mean, one interview was enough. <laughs> Have you noticed that in the um, conspiracy subculture or people who are into alternative ideas, there's a lot of people, not everyone, not me, but there's a lot of people, they seem very interested in this idea of an elite pedophile network or elite sex rings or children being kidnapped to be Mm. sold as sex objects or something like this. Mm. A lot of people are really into this topic. Have you noticed this? Of course I have noticed it, yes. Yes. What do you think is the reason for that? Why is this such a popular topic among conspiracy people? I believe there is an element uh, of truth in there. I do believe there are psychos out there. And there are many. Um, now, why this has become um, what you're um, describing, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have this general understanding that when uh, a specific topic is being pushed, it's because there's something else that uh, we're not supposed to look. No, it's it's look over here, look over here. So you're focusing left, and you're completely ignorant on what's going on on your right. Something like that. But it's uh, it's futile. I mean, okay, they're pedophiles and these elite and and um, child sacrifices and blood drinking. And okay, I'm I'm pretty sure it's um uh, it's going on. And, uh, so what? So you're exposing it and you're exposing it and you're exposing it and you're selling it and you're selling it. And, and what? What? Something is changing. Is it helpful? Does it lead in anywhere? Does it change, you know, any situation? It's futile. I don't know. Autism, as I say, you know, you see people, you see people getting angry and vicious and um, for what? What's the benefit out of that? Can you, can you find, um, family you know with uh can you find actual children who are suffering can you help these children that's enough do that you understand what i mean so you think that this might have some truth like maybe there are some elites who do drink blood or they're involved in some kind of weird sexual thing with yeah uh, yeah younger people you think yeah. so yeah 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 it's it's pretty out there i mean abramovich there's some psychos out there who are not ashamed of, you know, they're, they're not, a, just, just, they're fine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, it's happening. I, I don't know the extent, but yeah, they're all sort of um, abnormalities and, uh, you know, sick things going uh, in this world. Why not that? I mean, they're, you know. I think it's possible that they have um, weird rituals and other kinds of, I think it's possible. I just have zero evidence that this is going on. Of course we have. And I don't evidence. really want to, I don't really want to like watch YouTube documentaries or listen to podcasts talking about, it's very dark stuff. Why would I want to expose myself to that? Exactly. In the hope of finding some evidence, what would lead me to want to do that? There is no evidence. Really and even this. if you have clues, maybe you, maybe you have to follow them and, you know, um, see this thing through. No one will do that. Um, uh, not research. Uh, Legally speaking, no judge will, will touch that. N- no one will, uh, will touch that. 
it's just um it's it's uh fear born it's uh, it's fear born i think yeah i think you're onto something there i think it's more than just fear porn though well i think a lot of people whatever is motivating them to look into these topics it has something to do with their deep subconscious and sex like sex is uh, a very powerful motivator or a very powerful uh, thing in people's lives we're humans it's part of our nature i suppose but for some people they've got a a strange attitude towards sex and i think it manifests in them wanting to listen to people talk about the children being abused yeah i don't think it's about saving the ch- they tell themselves oh i have to learn about this to save the children you're not saving any children though any you're not so no. why do these people want to listen to this stuff i think there's some kind of um some kind of trauma. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Some I kind agree. Of trauma in their own past or something. Yeah, I agree. I, mm. I. Th- that's why I said it's like uh, watching a splatter. Um, um, it's it feeds some something in you that it's not healthy. I don't think it's healthy. And if people really cared about the children, okay, great. Right now, all over the world, there are little baby boys who are being mutilated at birth, and they've got no choice in it. And we know that happens. That's a real thing. It's proven. It's happening right now. Mm-hmm. How come you're not campaigning to save those children? Exactly. You see? Yeah. If it was really about helping the children, I'm not, I'm not so sure that's the real motivation here. Uh, how- Go find a, a child. Feed the child. J- just that. Clothe and feed a, a, a child. Do that. So you only spoke to one QAnon person, and that was enough for you. I'm glad to hear that. And then you uploaded, because on your channel, you've got your interviews that you do with different people from all over the world. You also upload videos that maybe videos that you like or videos that you want to help share. You've got Zeitgeist on there. When did you first see Zeitgeist? I first saw Zeitgeist many, many years ago. I cannot remember, but it years ago. If not fifteen, maybe well, it twelve. Came out in I think I think it came out in two thousand six or seven, and I saw it probably within a year of it coming out. I saw it. 2000, I want to say 2007, actually, was when I first saw Zeitgeist. I don't remember the year, but uh, it, it was, it was, uh, it must have been uh, back then. I, I don't remember exact, the exact year that I watched it. And of course, for listeners, I'm sure most of the listeners, Maria, have seen this or heard of it. But for those of you who might not have seen Zeitgeist, it's a film with three parts. One part's talking about 9-11. Yeah. One part's talking about the banking system or the money system. And one part is talking about the Religion. Jesus myth. Yeah. Yeah, the Jesus myth hypothesis. Yeah. I want to ask you a very uh, tough, a very direct question, Maria. You don't have to answer. It's very personal. Do you believe in Jesus, perchance? I have um, very, very recently, like a few months ago, I had that um, he's, uh, uh, he was an actual uh, person. Very, very, You very started recently. exploring the, the possibility that he was real or he was not real? That he's real because um, all my life um, I believe I, I didn't really pay much attention to the issue. All my life, sometimes I would think that he was an actual person, but he, you know he was just a person, an enlightened person maybe. Some other times I would believe that he was not an actual person. He's a myth. And now I'm um, I'm starting um, you know exploring the possibility that he was an actual. Person and he, uh, he was more than just uh, an enlightened person. That's heavy. So from getting into this truth stuff, this has kind of played a role in leading you to start to think that maybe he was real. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. 
I think to myself, man, if Jesus were real, if he were actually a real dude, like what if he came back today? What would he say about me and my life? I wonder about that sometimes. And in the second hour, Maria, we're going to talk about life. I want to talk with you. I want to pick up our conversation from a couple of weeks ago when I was on your show. I want to pick up the conversation from there. Life, how we lead our lives, what's the right way to lead our lives. I want to ask you about this NPC theory, the non-player character theory. There are some people, Maria. The one what? Some crazy people. What? Say that again. The non-player character theory. There are some crazy people who think that we're surrounded by humans who look like us and they sound like us, but the lights are on and nobody's home. (laughs) They're not really thinking creatures. Uh, There are some people who believe this. Very controversial, I know. Metaphorically speaking or literally? Well, that's a very good question. These people who promote the NPC theory, are they using it as a metaphor or are they being literal? We actually are surrounded by non-player characters. I can answer you that question in much detail. In the second hour of the call, I want to come back and talk about that. And I also want to share with you some of my theories about these flat earth people because I interviewed them back in 2015. And, uh, well, I have to confess I was part of the problem. I interviewed them. I gave them a platform. And... It turned out a lot of them were not such good people. But seven or eight years on, I feel like we can talk about this. Flat Earth, what happened? Why are people still talking about it? And are some of these people charlatans? We'll talk about that. We've got a lot to talk about, Mara. But first, let the listeners know, for those who won't be with us for the second hour, those who are just tuning in for the first hour, I'll put a link to your channel in the show notes. They can go and check it out. Let people know more about your channel, who you interview, what you do. Give them an idea of what they'll find when they go to the Free Float BitChute channel. Um, what they will find, uh, they will find all sorts of, um, stuff. What they will find is, um, they will follow my journey. They will follow my journey because they will see how I start and where I'm now. They will understand me. I think what I put out there in the chronological order that I put it out shows you where, where, you know, my, my course, it, it, it exposes me. You will see, you will understand how my brain works, you know, where I started and um, where I'm going. They will find, uh, what they will find? They will find, um, they will find all sorts of 9-11, flat earth, um, corruption in the music industry, as you said, and um, general conversations about, you know, um, what's going on in um, the world. They will find documentaries about World War II, for example, and... Um, uh, the spraying that is going on in our skies, and uh, they will find documentaries about uh, permaculture and all sorts of stuff. You know, everything that interests me and it's relevant uh, in my life, they will find it there. So it's it's a big exposure now that I'm thinking. Uh, now that I'm thinking of it. And what you'll also find, viewers, if or viewers and listeners, if you go and check out Maria's channel, you'll find a chat with John the Bon, and we spoke about the history hoax. We spoke about the flat earth hoax, as I call it. And we spoke about this idea that the reality we live in is a bit of a construct. And we're going to touch on that also in the second hour of this call, which you can get at bonversations.com or johnthebond.com. So, Maria, thank you very much. I'll see you for the second hour in just a moment. But for listeners who are leaving us now, check that link in the info box below. Go and check out Maria's channel. She's a lovely interviewer, and she speaks with people from all over the world, all kinds of topics. She speaks to QAnon people, flat earth people, vegan people, and... History hoax people like me. Yeah. Maria, I'll give you the final thoughts for the first hour. And once you finish what you have to say, that'll wrap us up for the first hour. We'll come back for the second hour in just a moment. Okay. I just want to say that I, I also have um, 
a channel on Odyssey uh, for people who uh, don't like BitChute. It's free float. In Odyssey, it's free float um, uh, in, on BitChute. But um, on Odyssey, I don't upload any other videos only my interviews on BitChute, they will find you know other other people's uh, I'm reposting or documentaries or stuff like that. On Odyssey, I just have um, the interviews, and it's much smaller uh, channel. That's it. You've been listening to Bonversations. Find more episodes at johnlebon.com. We appreciate and thank all of the supporters who make this possible. Now have yourself a lovely day. With regard to nobody died, nobody got hurt in these wars. Who's cutting my clap? Where's Larry Crown? Remember, you got the flu. It wasn't a tent. It was this magnificent thing. How dare you?